This is Samuel with another episode of Learnings where I share my notes and commentary on multiple hours of YouTube videos that I watch for self-education. I often cover two or three interviews, seminars under the ideas of giving, getting, and the future where the two meet one another. I like starting with sort of a weekly review. I like doing weekly reviews because if I don't, then all my intros are going to be fucking all, they're all going to be the same fucking thing. But this week, I organized my insights and I still have to write my titles. My insights are my YouTube, it's my YouTube playlist. I make like eight of them every month and eight, eight of the videos and I drop them I just distribute them throughout the month uh, this next month I'm probably gonna be dropping twice as much or maybe I will we'll, we'll, we'll see I still have to write my titles titles is like you know title like a wave but it's also titles like books so uh, it's gonna be it's like a title though it's like a play it's a short playlist um, of book reviews and I do that it's my titles so you know every week every month I go over each one uh, and I drop them all in the same week, or in the same two-week period. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's three, sometimes it's five books, sometimes it's seven. Because I listen to six of the same books every single month. Uh, I got a little bit more reflective on my goals and decided to start thinking more long-term with my approach. Basically, I'm solidifying my system as a self-employee, even though I work for my family. But the amount of time I put into this stuff, it's like I treat it as more than just a side hustle. It's like a lifestyle for me almost. And what's cool is watching from afar almost how it changes. Although it's sometimes difficult to do this whilst, whilst paying attention and making sure I'm not standing around with my dick up my ass. I don't know. The ones is Tony Robbins on the psychology of leaders with ink. I started doing this thing about a month ago where I go to bed, right? I mean, most people do that every night regardless, but when I do it, I close my eyes and imagine myself walking into this corporate meeting room in a giant building with dim lighting. I walk in and Elon Musk is sitting there and Grant Cardone is sitting there and they're like, hi Sam, let's talk about your life and your goals and your dreams. And Tony Robbins recently joined this small group of people. The next guys to join are going to be Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos and I'm excited for them to come in as well. But because of this, I feel the need to do more research uh, so I can subconsciously anticipate the input of these men. And now that Tony is a new member of what I, what I like to call the council meetings, uh, I got to do some research on the way he thinks. I got this idea from my favorite book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And my implementation, I like to think, has drawn me spiritually closer to my goals. The interviewer asked Tony what his definition of leadership was, and Tony went on to say that he looked it up and he started learning about it, but the dictionary just said, one who leads. <laughs> so he was like, the fuck? <laughs> but now he says it's not a position, but rather a skill and tool that we all have. Uh, people who don't, people don't have to follow us, but we should live life on our terms, and that's leadership in a way. And quality leadership is supposedly, supposedly the mastery of people who influence others for, the better, for a better purpose, a bigger purpose, a grand purpose uh, that just goes beyond themselves. Ideas will die on your lips if you don't become a better influencer anyway. Look at a business, the chokehold is the mindset and the skill set of the leader. The owner might be really good at what they do, but maybe they're not that good at the economic side of their business, like uh, maybe me, but <laughs> when you allow the environment to control your psychology, you're going to lose. A lot of businesses think that they've, you know, maxed the possibilities based on, you know, like one or two things that they tried, but, you know, they didn't try 10,000 different things and they didn't try all those different things for sustained periods of time. I mean, that would be a lot of, that would be a very long time. <laughs> but Tony is such a force of nature. He really is. You can tell by the expression of his face everywhere from in interviews to seminars or concerts. I don't know what the fuck to call them. If you've seen Tony Robbins live, it doesn't look like most seminars do. <laughs> 
are a reflection of the state we live in. When you're in a tired, depressed state, you process things very differently from when you're in a passionate, fucking energy, like driven state. Tony is really big on states, like mental states, because he's, dude, he's just obsessed with this psychology of like success and stuff. He, he, he likes to say success is 80% psychology and 20% mechanics. When he was coaching Paul Tudor Jones, uh, 1987, the biggest crash of like it, within a day for the percentage wise for the stock market. Still, uh, Jones made 200% or uh, 200% return for his clients, and he went to the moon and he went back down to earth and he lost all his money. And Tony had to turn him around, so he went through all these L's, <laughs> you know, Tudor Jones. And even as smart as he is, his body accepted them in a way where it was weighing him down. So Tony sat him down, he sat down with him, he sat down with him and watched videos of Paul Tudor Jones at his best. Like he was like, solve this and make this happen and change this and fucking blah. And then they watched the video <laughs> of the guy at the same time, you know, the time that this happened when he was like, you know, just sitting on the press in the fucking chair. And Tony was like, what do you notice? What, uh, what difference is it? And Jones was like, dude, it's totally, it's two totally different people. And Tony says, you can get back to this state, but you gotta use your body because if you use your mind only, you're just gonna be running yourself in circles. Maybe you have times when you forget how to spell a word like the, <laughs> or you forget your email or your birthday, but sometimes you're in the flow and you do it and you're like, holy shit, I don't know how I did that, but I guess I did it. <laughs> and it's because you're just in the flow. And great leaders are, that's, I mean, it's because of flow. And great leaders are a scarce, resource in today's society. It's an innate talent for some people willing to take more risks, for they're more certain, but anyone deciding to be masterful in something is deciding to be a leader. You can lead your own life. You can lead your own path. It starts with a vision that's big enough for yourself and, and maybe bigger. If you're passionate, if you're passionate and driven enough, they're going to you're going to inevitably just begin to execute like crazy. Anyone can learn all these things, so it can be taught and learned, and there are so many things to lead in, and you got to know what you stand for. Lead your, your leadership doesn't take away from someone else's. A great boss, this just makes sense to me, would hire someone who's a great leader. It's like that frees you as a leader, just to hire people who are great leaders themselves. Like you should, it's like you may as well hire someone who you would purposely, who you would personally work for if you were the employee is found in the dance between what you desire most and what you fear most and like what are your values what do you believe what do you fear if someone leads you and supports you it's easier to communicate in a way that inspires you to perform at your own best standard out of thousands tony has not lost a single suicide because he's like he's like the 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 guy who everyone calls when someone like, like he's like the suicide prevention hotline that i mean i don't know how i don't know the success rate of that of of those guys but Tony Robbins has a 100% success rate, and he's been doing this for, knock on wood, 38 years, maybe more. So he connects with those people, he uncovers their belief structures, and he convinces them that dying isn't as good as living. And if you know anything about being suicidal or what it's like, it can be pretty difficult to do that. <laughs> the interviewer asked an interesting question that always fascinated me, or at least did fascinate me after a bunch of research I did on personal finance last year. Are there lacks of monetary resources genuinely holding people back or is it all just limiting beliefs one thing is that half the planet makes no more than two dollars and fifty cents a day so another thing in turn is that the 99 percent who complain about the wealth of the one percent is actually the one percent and you're typing on your iphone and drinking you know a snap snapchat a chino but even if you're in poverty like i think 
technically most college students, you're in the top 1% already. <laughs> like technology is making labor less valuable. 40% of jobs in the next 10 to 20 years are gonna be replaced. Wall Street's replacing traders with algorithms. Self-driving cars in five, maybe seven or eight years are gonna replace truck drivers. So are you gonna like are you gonna hire someone who works eight hours a day and sometimes get drunk or gets drunk or makes a mistake? Or I mean, if you get drunk and you fucking drive at this, I mean that is a mistake. Or are you gonna buy a machine, write it down, and put it in a position to do everything perfectly for 24 hours a day with no breaks? Is anyone gonna tell this to a fucking truck driver? If not, why? And if so, they gotta retool now. Do don't they? Like I feel like I just feel like things beyond labor is what makes people more valuable from an experiential standpoint. Getting to that getting that training will come from self-education, like listening to this podcast. <laughs> Constant never-ending improvement is pretty much the difference between zero and one. It's not one. <laughs> I, I mean mathematically, sure, but and even one and beyond. Like this is the greatest time to be alive in the history of humanity. Like, okay, maybe that's true, but I feel like it's only true if you're constantly growing, developing, and learning valuable skills. If you're not, you might be walking down a very dark path that has an agenda and a mind of its own that you know nothing about. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> if you work for McDonald's, you get something like, what, $7.75 an hour? The skill set can be taught to anyone in 20 minutes. And people wonder why it's such a low paying. Uh, but David Tepper, I had to I had to look him up. He made three point five billion dollars last year. He produced I don't know like he produced a forty percent return. I don't know what these things mean exactly. But in in a world this fucking with this fucking billionaires fucking one percenters they're they're just they're they're just the zero point zero 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 one percent. But he but the added value he's given to all those families who would be getting. 33 base points or like 1% where it would take them 72 years to double their money. He's getting those families in a position where they to make 40% more alone in a year. He's worth $3.5 billion. Instead of complaining, why not ask yourself where the skill sets are valued in the marketplace? The interviewer mentioned something he met, someone he met the other day who described himself as a struggling artist and a big fan of Tony's. This artist was actually me. No, it wasn't. That, that doesn't exactly describe my situation with the word struggling. So the artist is like, how the fuck do I make this if I have a nine to five? Tony's like, he, he, you know, when people ask him stuff like that, he's like, well, tell me your schedule. And people are like, well, I work and I come home and I'm tired. And he's like, well, what about the other shift? Tony worked eight to five and he would come home and he get a bite to eat and shower and he worked 630 to 2 a.m. And that's honestly, in his opinion, what's required. And that's where the progress comes from if you're starting at a bottom. That's where a lot of happiness comes from with, in my experience too. It's all about, it's all in growth and especially the, pre the appreciation of that growth. There are three gifts you could give in art, like a skill set, an ability, ability, a talent you have. Lots of artists do what they're so fucking good at. They, they want to run a business and they, they fail while a great business person falls in love with their ideal client. Then there's a manager or leader whose gift is managing people and processes and they love that. It's your nature. There's, <clears throat> then there's an entrepreneur, not an entrepreneur, but an entrepreneurial entrepreneur, like the type of person who loses $10 million and it's like, cool, whatever, fuck it, let's earn it all again. <laughs> Economically, to be successful, Tony Robbins will say that you ask yourself, who am I and what do I need? If you're an artist, you probably need a good manager or partner. They'll help you build the organization. You're gonna build the art or, and the, the product. A manager or leader wants to tie 
with an entrepreneur because that's gonna help scale the whole shit, right? And an entrepreneur is looking for an artist because that's the core of the business. They'll be looking for managers and leaders too. Steve Jobs used to say that the best ideas were stolen. <laughs> and uh, Starbucks was like, it was like, it like modeled an idea from like Italy or something. And Tony's like, holy shit, I read so much. I learned so much interviewed. I, I, I interviewed so many people that I don't even know where a lot of these th ideas come from. This is exactly how I am with music. I don't even know what my musical influences are. I could find them looking on my old iPod classic, but definitely not off the top of my head, like whatsoever. Sometimes I talk to people about things and every now and then I'll say something and then to myself, what the fuck? That's brilliant. There's no way I got this, something like this from a book, but it has to be a concoction of all the perspectives I get from books like this and how I apply them to my life and the way I look at, the way I process the results of all that. A lot of my output on the same, on the internet, a lot of Samuel all over the internet, I mean there are a lot of Samuels, but my shit on these platforms is based heavily on those things as they occur. Uh, as soon as I have an idea, a eureka moment, I'm like shit, people either need to know about this now or after I turn it into something I think that they're gonna find really fucking cool. He says that people running a business really need to be running two businesses. One is the business you operate today, the other is the business you are becoming. The way you do this is develop a system where you spend 90 minutes with your team weekly, where you work on the business and take each stage and put focus on it. And a lot of learning from failures is like half learning from your own, from other people's and half you know, your own, your own failures, because when you succeed, you party, and when you fail, you ponder. But to think you're not gonna experience failure is just absurd. The person who goes through failure like butter is gonna do something most people wouldn't. A small amount of people are, you know, singing, for example, because they hear from someone, because, you know, the rest of them hear from someone else that they're not that great, and they're like, wow, okay, damn, I guess I should stop. I have momentum right now. So to make these podcasts and videos, it's very uh, fun for me and automatic. And if people tell me that I should stop, like, I don't think anybody could, ex could like, it, it would be fucking difficult, I'll put it that way, to try to talk me out of making videos and podcasts because it's so, it's so habitual for me now. Uh, and the podcast sometimes not as much, but dude, it's fucking self-education. It doesn't matter how fun it is. It's necessary, you know? Making YouTube videos is really fucking fun. I just like dropping them and looking at them and being like, yo, I did this shit from start to finish. Before my camera died, I was filming my insights for the month of October. During October, one of my plans is to make 16 insights so that I'm covered for the rest of 2018. And when my camera died, I plugged it in and got to writing this episode. I was on Instagram before that, and I started to no actually notice, fuck, bro, it's Sunday morning, it's 7 a.m. I woke up at 3.30, right? I need to do the episode. I don't even have a choice. Video two is Elon Musk crazy announcement, Elon Musk viral videos. Elon Musk viral videos is very ubiquitous on YouTube. A lot of his videos really do go viral, <laughs> and he makes them seem like the fucking wildest things ever. These titles, some of them, I have to admit, are like extremely clickbait. Here, I'm looking at the channel right now, like, Elon Musk says he's scared of Google. Elon Musk, I don't give a damn about your degree. <laughs> Elon, Elon Musk completely destroys Jeff Bezos. <laughs> the thumbnail to that one is... I swear, part of me kills itself every time I see it. Elon Musk sends final warning to government. Elon Musk, this product will change the world. It's really fucking ridiculous.
In this video, he starts talking about BFR, which stands for Big Fucking Rocket. <laughs> I'm serious. SpaceX was started to help advance rocket technology to the point where we can become a space-bearing civilization. It's something that makes you glad to be a human being, something excited, exciting to look forward to. BFR makes people want to be excited about the future, essentially. People forget how much of a nerd Elon Musk is, or how much he was bullied in school until they maybe hear him speak publicly. He stutters a lot. It's weird considering how confident he is in his mission and what he what he's doing. A lot of people don't understand why SpaceX would send a rocket to Mars, or would why they would send a rocket uh, or a fucking car to Mars. Like like a uh, NASA would send slabs of concrete and shit to different places in space and SpaceX was like, dude, that's so boring. So we're going to send a Tesla Roadster. Fuck it. Much more relatable than a slab of concrete. A lot of reasoning behind things like this is just absurd, kind of silly in a way, but the output, the action, the ambition, the design, the execution, the drive, literally, these are the reasons I look at Tesla and SpaceX and I'm like, dude, to start both of these companies and sustain them this long with what they've gone through and thrive it requires someone who doesn't believe in limits. So here, he has a Japanese guy talk about what's gonna happen. This Japanese guy is gonna go to the moon, I think as a tourist, and in 2023, he's going to be bringing six to eight artists with him. Not six to eight musicians, but different types of art. Music is one of them. Fashion, design, painting, architecture, etc. If you think I don't wanna be the musician to do that, then um, you think wrong. I wanna be the first artist to blow up on Mars. Deep space travel is extremely dangerous and difficult to execute, and SpaceX is really lowering how difficult that, like, they're, they're figure, the fucking pioneers, okay? These guys are pioneers. 